0: Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. I am back. I am your host, Fred Houston. Sorry about the last couple of weeks. Um, Week before last, uh, I was out in California doing some inspections, and the week before, or week after that, actually, uh, was a hurricane that came through Florida. So uh, we didn't lose power, but I figured it probably wasn't a good time uh, to host a radio show during that. So speaking of that, I want you to listen to this clip real quick here. Okay, I hope you heard that. What that was was the sound of a tornado and a hurricane. Uh, As you know, Florida gets uh, these things called hurricanes, and they spawn off tornadoes. And you can imagine over the years, uh, I've encountered a lot of inspections due to hurricane damage when it comes to stone and tile flooring. So what I'd like to do today is discuss some of the things that to look for after a hurricane when it comes to a stone floor a countertop, a, a building, uh, et cetera. And then hopefully give you some of the remedies that, that occur. And I have a whole, whole list here of things that I'm going to discuss uh, for those of you watching on Facebook, as opposed to the radio show. And by the way, this is the first attempt I am doing a show on Facebook uh, as well. So you got to, uh, excuse my, my looks, i have always said I have a face for radio. So uh, anyway, if you have a question, a comment, or a concern, or a story to share, uh, the, let me give you the live call in telephone number. That happens to be 323-870-3968. That's 323-870-3968. I'm also excited to... Um, Announced that I do have a couple of sponsors, which hopefully will be uh, up and running uh, on next week's show. I actually have two in the works, so uh, uh, stay tuned to listen for uh, their little blurbs as well. Uh, some some great, great sponsors. And I'll also put this out there if anybody else uh, wants to be a sponsor of the show, to please give me a holler. My email, by the way, is fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at com. All right. Let's talk about hurricane. As you're aware, we had a hurricane last last week, um, and it didn't affect us here in Florida where I'm at on the East Coast as bad as it did in the Bahamas. I'm sure you've all watched the news and have seen the devastation that occurred in the Bahamas. I doubt I'm going to be called for stone damage there. That's the least of their worries right now. In years past, from Hurricane Andrew to Irma to a few of the hurricanes – that we've had here in Florida. I usually get called in not right away because you know right away you're going to worry most about you know repairing the roof, your windows, uh getting rid of the water and usually down the road I get called in cuz there's an issue with primarily stone flooring. Although it can occur with exterior stone, uh cabinets, uh countertops, stone countertops not as much. But some of the issues, well let, let's talk about that first. You know, a lot of times what will happen during a hurricane is the floor will get flooded. Uh, insurance adjusters will come in. They'll end up hiring a a, a restoration company. And now, I'm not talking about a, a stone restoration company per se, but usually a flood-type damage uh, company. And basically all they'll do is vac up. the water, possibly put dehumidifiers in the house. And that's all fine and dandy because they're getting rid of the water. But here's what happens. When water sits into a lot of stone types, and we'll discuss some of those stone types in a minute here, what tends to happen is the naturally occurring iron in the stone starts to oxidize. Now that takes time. Um, It doesn't happen right away. It can happen right away. It can happen very quickly within a couple of days. But I've seen some cases take up to, uh, almost a year for the oxidation to start occurring. And that's gonna depend on how much iron is in this stone. It's gonna depend on the type of the stone. Uh, type of stone that's uh, very susceptible to this is a lot of the white stones, the white Carraras uh, in particular. Because they're white in color, you start seeing that ye- light yellow type discoloration that occurs. And if you let it go, it'll turn into a brown discoloration. And if you really let it go, it will turn into a, almost a reddish uh, discoloration. But it's because of the presence of iron. Now, other stones will do it as well. I've seen granites do it, uh, especially the light colored granites will start to oxidize. But sometimes they can take a while. Uh, for the oxidation to take place so my advice to anybody listening out there that has this issue whether you're a homeowner an architect an engineer or you're even in uh, the restoration fabrication or installation is to not sign off on your insurance claims in other words let's say the claim adjuster comes in and they assess the damage but the floor looks great Okay, so they they don't give you any money for the floor. They might give you uh, money for cleaning up the water, uh, maybe repolishing the stone if it needs to be repolished. But what tends to happen is they they won't replace the stone because there's not a problem. If you sign off on the insurance claim, and any but insurance adjusters out there want to back me up up on this, uh, you know, feel free to call in and back me up there. But once they sign off, it becomes very difficult after the fact. Let's say a year later, you start seeing stains and you start scratching your head and you're wondering, well, you know, why is my stone discoloring? Why is it turning this this yellowish, brownish, reddish color? It's because the iron is starting to oxidize as the result of the flood. So do not sign off on your insurance claim if you have these type of stone floors and you experience a, a flood, either via a natural disaster such as a hurricane or a tornado. But that also also applies to leaks. Uh, or, or floods, um, you know, a water heater breaking and and spewing water all over the floor, a, a sink pipe breaking. I've had several where dishwasher hoses have b- busted and totally flooded. Whatever the reason for flooding the floor, don't sign off right away. Make sure the insurance adjuster knows that there could be a problem later on down the line. What do you do at that particular at that particular point? So, how do you remove this iron? Well. Sometimes you can remove it, and sometimes you can't. It just depends, number one, on how much iron is in the stone and how much it's become oxidized. Um, you can try poultices. I know I've discussed this on the show before, uh, poultices using uh, you know diatomaceous earth as a poulticing powder, and then iron out. And what I like to use is about 20% iron out. Iron out, for those of you that don't know, can be picked up at uh, Home Depot, Lowe's, hardware store, anywhere they sell Uh, water softening supplies. That's what they use in the water softener. It comes in a little uh, package. It's a white powder. You mix that about 20% by volume into your poultice powder, uh, add some water and apply that to the stone. And sometimes it works very effectively. Other times it doesn't. The number one rule is to make sure the stone is dry. And that's where a moisture meter comes in. Uh, I just talked to someone today, that didn't have a moisture meter, a restoration contractor, and I said, you know what? They're inexpensive. You don't have to go out and buy the $1,200 moisture meter, run the Lowe's, run the Home Depot, and you can pick one up for around 50, 60 bucks, and they work just as effectively for giving you an instantaneous reading as to whether that floor is wet or not. Now, we're not going to get into, at least in this this topic right now, onto how well they work Uh, Other than the fact, you want to make sure that you buy a non-destructive moisture meter that tests for concrete, that can be used on concrete. A lot of the pin meters uh, are used for wood and drywall. You don't want to use those meters. You want to use a non-destructive meter designed for concrete. And again, you can pick them up at Lowe's or uh, Home Depot or one of the other uh, uh, hardware-type home center-based stores. The biggest issue I get with flooding. Again, whether that's from a hurricane, a tornado, a water rising, hot water heater, busting, whatever, is, you know, my floors were fine until the flood, and now they sound hollow. And you'll go into a client's house and I get this all the time, and they start you know hitting the floor with a, the, either a, a broom handle or tapping with a knuckle, and they go, "Look, look how hollow this floor is." Well, folks, I'm going to let you in on a little clue. Water, whether it's via any of those disasters I mentioned or whether it's a flood or a leak from something that broke, will not cause your stone to be hollow. It was hollow from the get-go. And it's very simple chemistry. Uh, Your setting materials, whether it's a mud set, whether it's a thin set, are Portland cement. Portland cements are hydraulic. What does that mean? They will set up and they will cure under water. So actually, the more water they get, the harder that concrete becomes. So when someone complains about a hollow floor, it has nothing to do with the flood. It has nothing to do with the natural disaster. And it has everything to do with it was hollow from the beginning. They just didn't notice it at the very beginning. Or they've, they're they being dishonest and they're trying to use the flood as an excuse to get a new floor because they know they've had that particular issue. Uh, so do not confuse flooding, hurricanes, tornadoes, uh, dishwasher hose breaking or whatever for causing a tile to be or a tile floor, whether it's stone or whether it's ceramic tile or porcelain to become hollow. That's not what's causing it to become hollow. It was hollow from the very get-go by basically on the way that it was it was set. So let's see what else can happen. Uh, Another thing that can occur, and again, this can take some time, is a condition known as efflorescence. Now I know I've talked about this on many of these shows and I'll go ahead and mention it again if you're listening for the first time. What happens during efflorescence? Well, first of all, let's describe what efflorescence is. Uh, From a layman's term, if you look at a floor and you rub your hand across it, you will get a white powdery, almost like someone sprinkled baby powder across the floor. That is efflorescence. Now, scientifically what that is, is nothing but what we call soluble salts. In other words, your slab, if it's on a slab, your setting material all have naturally occurring salts when they become wet, especially when they become saturated, they dissolve the salts. The water obviously rises to the surface through evaporation. And what happens is as the water is drying out on the surface, you get the salts left behind. Uh, It's very similar to if you've ever boiled a, a tea kettle uh, on your stove, and it, it, you boil it, and you boil and boil it, and over a couple of months, you get that buildup in there. That's all the salts that is left behind, because when water boils, you're getting pure water. Well, the same thing happens when water evaporates from a floor. Uh, just pure water evaporates. The salts do not evaporate. They actually deposit. Now, to solve that problem, you just simply wipe away the salts. However, if the floor is not dry yet, another good reason for the moisture meter, Uh, you're going to have it continue and you continue. Where the real problem comes in is if those salts don't make it to the surface. This is a condition we call subfluorescence. And subfluorescence is similar to efflorescence, but instead of it coming totally to the surface, the salts actually crystallize within the pores of the stone, and when that happens, if you're watching my YouTube video, you can see my hand, uh, you have a pore that looks like this, those salts actually deposit in there, and as the salts deposit and grow, they expand and boom, you end up with a condition known as spalling. Uh, in other words, the stone flakes apart. This is what subfluorescence is, and this can be a very serious problem. It depends on a type of stone, it depends on how much salts are in the setting bed, it depends on how much salts are in the concrete slab, if it's a slab on grade, So you have a number of issues that occur. Your best bet is if you start seeing that issue, if you start seeing efflorescence is to call a professional in. Uh, you call my office, Stone Forensics, or you can call your local stone restoration company and they can take a look at it and see what can be done. The number one, the number one mistake I see when someone runs in to an efflorescence problem or a subfluorescence problem is they run for the sealer and they immediately try to seal the floor. Do not do this. When you seal the floor, you're preventing the salts from escaping and you'll end up actually uh, enhancing the problem and and causing uh, more and more of a problem. Uh, The best way to get rid of efflorescence is to turn the air conditioning on. Make sure it's really, really cold because an air conditioner acts as a dehumidifier, not heat. I've had contractors call me and say, we turn the heat on and hoping to dry the floor out. No, heat will dry a floor out somewhat, but air conditioning will dehumidify a floor. So that's basically what you want to do is dehumidify the floor by turning the air conditioning on. That'll help draw the salts out. Efflorescence can get worse. It can get worse as long as the moisture is present. It will continue to get worse until it's totally dry. Once it's totally dry, actually at the end of the drying cycle, you may see the efflorescence at its worst case, and at that point, you wipe it away and it shouldn't come back anymore. Uh, As long as you know the stone is dry, as as long as you know there's no efflorescence within the stone, then it would be safe. Uh, to use a good penetrating sealer, but only then. And that's where your moisture meter comes into play, being able to go in there and check. Uh, let me get the phone number out here one more time. If you have a question, it is 323-870-3968. That's 323 323- Eight seven zero three nine six eight. Feel free to call in and ask me a question or go ahead and uh, give me a comment and uh, we'll uh, take that as well. All right, let me look at my notes here and we'll talk about uh, some more issues. Um, one of the questions I, I've and I actually did an entire show on this is the RH probe versus the calcium chloride test. And um, <clears throat> if you're a lay person out there or an architect uh, out there, this may be a little bit uh, too advanced for you, but um, Generally, when a flood occurs, uh, I'm not going to be too concerned with with doing relative humidity or calcium chloride tests. Uh, simply because uh, the water is hopefully laying on the surface. If the slab becomes saturated, if it's the water sat there for a long period of time and it's having difficulty drying, I may remove a tile and then go ahead and do either an RH or a calcium chloride test. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about the RH or calcium chloride test, simply send me an email. I can send you some articles on that as well. Um, another issue that comes up constantly, uh, especially from consumers is when they have a flooding issue is um, mold and mildew. And I, I sometimes have to laugh at this because mold and mildew, you need basically three things for mold and mildew to grow. You need the moisture, which is going to be provided for in the in the in the flood, the hurricane or whatever, when the floor gets wet, countertop gets wet, the uh the shower gets wet, but you need two other things. You need a food source, and it has to be what we call an organic food source, and you need the proper uh, environment. In other words, proper temperature, the proper um, um, uh, conditions. In other words, you need oxygen. In many cases, if that flood was caused by, (coughs) excuse me, a, a pipe breaking. Uh, you're not going to see mold and mildew unless you have an organic source under that stone installation. Where are organic sources? Wood is an organic source. Uh, Some of the mastics, if the stone, God forbid, or tile, God forbid, was set with a mastic, a lot of those mastics are organic in nature. If it was set in thinset, if it was set in a mud base, uh, chances are there is not organic matter there, so you don't have the food necessary for it to grow. However, if the flood was caused by a hurricane or a tornado or some exterior source, it can bring organic matter into the, into the stone with the waters, and then you have a problem. So, how do you check for mold and mildew? Well, the obvious is, uh, if you see it, I mean, you know it's mold or mildew, but there are test kits that you can buy at Home Depot, Lowe's hardware stores, and there are several varieties where you can actually go in uh some of them are tape strips where you actually tape put a piece of tape on the surface, rip it off, and send that out. Some of them are just little like little filter papers you put on there, and you send it out to a lab and the lab will come back and it'll tell you. Uh, what type of mold and mildew you, you have there. If Now keep in mind mold and mildew is everywhere. Those spores are in the air right now. I don't care where you are. You could be in the middle of the desert. You're still breathing in mold and mildew spores. It's, you know, there's literally thousands of types of mold and mildew out there. Some of them are, most of them are not harmful unless you have a breathing condition. Uh, but there are a, a few that are toxic and that's why we worry about mold and mildew. But, um, you know, I would say half the time that I get a complaint from someone concerned with mold and mildew. Not now, that's not someone saying that they've actually, you know, see mold and mildew. It's it's for not. Uh, it's not a mold and mildew mildew problem. Okay, let, let's back up a little bit and talk about, uh, we, at the beginning of the show, we talked about salts, we talked about efflorescence. How do we test for those salts? Well, obviously if they're visible, you can see them. There's really no need to test for them, but there is a way to test for salts. And I'm gonna give you that uh, right now. What you need is a moisture meter, but now you need a moisture meter that has the probe. So that's a wood or drywall moisture meter that has those two probes. Then you need to buy some little circular filter papers. And you can buy those circular filter papers from a scientific supply company. Uh, The one that I use is called PRG Resource Group. P as in Peter, R as in Ronald, G as in George Resource Group. Look them up on Google, PRG Resource Group. They actually sell those little filter strips. I've seen them on Amazon, whatever. So basically you want to take these filter strips, and keep them in a plastic bag, and do not touch them with your fingers. And the reason you don't touch them with your fingers is because your fingers have salts on them. So you want to take a pair of tweezers, a pair of forceps with you, and you want to take some distilled water. You don't want to use tap water. You don't want to use spring water. You don't want to use drinking water. You want to go into the grocery store and buy what is called distilled water. Distilled water has no salts in it. Now, what you're going to do is you're going to take one of those filter papers, and you're going to take a piece of plastic. I like using the, the actual box that the uh, moisture meter comes in. You place that filter paper on top of the plastic box or a piece of plastic. You add some distilled water to it. You take a reading with your moisture reading moisture read, meter. Let's say you have a meter that reads 0 to 100, and you get 90 as the reading. So you put that aside, 90. Now you take a fresh filter paper, picking it up with the the tweezers. You place it on the stone or a tile or the grout that you suspect has the salts. You add some distilled water. You let it sit for a minute. You take your moisture meter and you take another reading. If the reading is higher, okay, say we had 90, for example, on the plastic and now we have 95, salts are present. And the reason is that salts conduct more, more there's more conduction in a salt water than there is in fresh water. So if you compare the difference and the difference on the stone is higher, you definitely have salts present. Now obviously it's not going to tell you the type of salts, but it's going to tell you that salts are present. So if there's any doubt, uh, that's a test that that I would that I would do. Um, Let's real quickly talk about a particular type of salt that I run into all the time. And that is uh, when a vapor barrier is punctured uh, or you don't know what the source of the flooding is. In other words, you don't know whether the waters came up from from the bottom of the slab, whether it came from a dishwasher hose breaking, a washer hose breaking or something, or it came from the outside. The simplest way to tell is what we call a nitrite test kit. Nitrates are present in living things. They're not present in concrete. They're not present in grout. They're present in soils. So you can do, (coughs) excuse me, folks, you can do what they call a nitrite test. And how a nitrite test works or where you can buy a nitrite test is go into an aquarium store and ask to see the testing kits for a marine aquarium, a saltwater aquarium. They have a little strip in there and you can see behind me if you're looking at Facebook that I have a marine aquarium and uh, you test for nitrates with these little litmus papers. And if you get a positive reading, then you probably have water that has been in contact with soil some somewhere. So you know for sure that you have water or that you have a a nitrate present and you're going to get some contamination in that particular uh, uh, installation. So again, the phone number is 323 870 3968 that's 3238703968 if you want to call in with a question uh if you're on Facebook and I see we have uh, quite a few people on on Facebook here if you want to write in a question there um go ahead and uh send that in I I see my buddy Bob said or a leaky toilet wax ring yep uh they they've they've leaked uh actually brand new ones will leak if they're not installed installed sold properly so uh uh, definitely uh, you want to look for other sources of, of flooding as well. The important part being is that um, a flood can play havoc on a stone or tile installation. So uh, be very, very careful. All right. Uh, one more time, three two three eight seven zero three nine six eight. Uh The next couple of weeks I'm going to have some uh, additional interviews. I want to put it out there that if, uh, uh you're interested in being interviewed just go ahead and send me an email the email is f Houston f h u e s t o n gmail.com okay well if i don't see uh i'll give a few more minutes to go ahead and uh call in or send me a question uh i'm going to look at my notes here and see if i pretty much uh covered covered everything i just want to reiterate one more time that uh you know don't assume that during a a flooded floor in particular that uh, once the water is gone, your problems are over with. Uh, chances are they're not. Uh, iron can oxidize salts can occur you can get spalling later on down the road so you want to be very very careful if you have any doubts whatsoever on that call an inspector like me or some someone else in you can look at my company uh stone forensics the website is stoneforensics.com. all right it doesn't look like we have any further questions so i'm going to sign off for this week uh, i'm glad to be back i'm glad to be safe from the hurricane i hope everybody else is uh so until next week uh, thanks for listening and uh, until next time Keep setting those tiles, polishing that stone, and fabricating those tops. Later, my friends.